Welcome to Making of a Story, the podcast chronicling one grad student's quest to uh, write his dissertation, get a job, teach some students, raise some children, and survive uh, being locked down in a pandemic. Uh, this is the eighth episode in our series on work and play in the Industrial Revolution, roughly following the class that I'm teaching this semester on work and play in the Industrial Revolution. If you are just joining us now, jump back to the first episode of the series. Uh, right now we're doing kind of a bunch of lightning episodes because I got really tired and didn't record an episode for a month. Uh, and I'm trying to catch back up uh, in the light of coronavirus. This episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about how the domestic world was created by looking at the concept of childhood and child labor. What we're going to do is we're going to first start to talk about children as a biological construct. What is a human child? Why do we have childhood? Uh, how can we conceptualize it? Then we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, child work before and after the Industrial Revolution. We'll use that to get into the cultural changes that go into how the idea of childhood uh, shifted. Uh, in the you know before the Industrial Revolution, roughly the idea was that children were born sinful and needed work and discipline to make them uh, saved. After the Industrial Revolution, the idea was that children were innocent and needed to be protected from the cruelties of the adult world, including work. So, first I want to set the scene a little bit. When you think of that stereotyped Industrial Revolution in your head, you know, just imagine like a, a shock city like Manchester. What do you see in your, your, your mind's eye? What do you see in that movie that is playing uh, back in your head? Well, what you probably see is a skyline dominated by factories, a bunch of sad uh, brick row houses uh, uh, completely dominating the foreground. Uh, and on the streets, a bunch of people walking to work. And, you know, the camera pans in, we, 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 we zoom in on, on a face, and just to highlight the immiseration, one of the workers we see is a child of about seven or eight boys and girls walking to work. The presence of children in the factories of the Industrial Revolution have, has, has so often been used as an example of the heartlessness of modern capitalism. The fact that at the beginnings of the Industrial Age, workers were torn up and you know, ripped apart by these machines, by the factories, and they included children is meant to highlight the special cruelty of the economic system that we live in today. But even though, you know, politically, I agree with the conclusions of that, historically, we have to think about child labor in a little bit of a different way. So first, to set the scene, I want to talk about what a child is. Now, human children are really weird. We're weird because of all animals that I know of, human children take the longest 
to actually reach sexual maturity. And even after that, they take a really long time before they make families of their own. I mean, I'm raising a human baby right now. She's three months old. We're excited about these these huge uh, uh, landmarks in her development. And those landmarks are she can kind of hold her head up. She can pick things up with a couple fingers and she's looking at things. Look at a baby horse. I mean, have you ever seen a baby horse? A baby horse comes out of a a mama horse and within an hour or two, the baby horse is walking, scampering. Most baby animals are able to do a lot more than human babies are able to do. And it takes a lot longer for even human babies compared with our closest relatives to achieve sexual maturity. I think a chimpanzee achieves sexual maturity, it's like five or seven. That's weird. Another weird thing is that human beings, babies, require a ton of work to raise. As anybody who's raised a human baby knows, it takes a lot more than two people to adequately raise a child. Our children are needy, they need to be picked up, they need to be taught, they need to be played with. So human children and human families are really weird. Um, We parent in in somewhat larger groups. It takes a really long time for us to... to, And why? Why is that? Well, I I think it's in part the, the secret sauce of what makes human beings human beings. We get incredibly large groups of people together to make societies, to help one another out, to give a lot of resources to our incredibly costly children. And our children are costly because they are flexible. They need to learn. They're smart. They're cunning. That takes a long time of play and development to prepare. A human kid could in a you know 5 years grow up to full sexual maturity. Instead, it takes 15. Why? Because they need to learn. They need to stay small and careful and watchful so that they can learn. Um humans are unique in a number of ways. We're we're the uh only species that engages in group against group play like team sports. Uh we um, have like really, really huge brains compared with our pelvis. There's a lot of things that are that are weird. We yeah. So human childhood is this thing that 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 really defines human beings. Now let's think about children historically. If you could travel back in time to the Industrial Revolution, something that would shock you about going on those Manchester streets is the fact that there would be a lot more children. This is because of demography. The longer lives that we have today means that there's a lower uh, relative population of children, even though the birth rate, uh, birth rate might be the same. And in the period of the Industrial Revolution, the birth rate was higher. So if you walked down the street uh, and just saw a even split of all the people out there in, in Shock City, Manchester, you would notice that about a third to a half of all of the people that you would see were below the age of 15. That is something that would shock you about the past. You would notice it immediately. The past is younger than the present is. And there's a problem with uh, what is called this high dependency ratio. What are you to do with all of these children? Well, before the Industrial Revolution, this was a problem of childhood 
unemployment. When people were out on the farms, it was actually really hard to find adequate stuff for a kid to do to keep them busy and to bring in money. They might like go off into the fields and scare birds, or they might uh, be engaged in some uh, minor craft labor. You might get the kids to look after the younger kids, maybe. You might get uh, some kids when they're a little bit older to do some farm work. But by and large, children were, you know, it, it was not easy to employ them before the Industrial Revolution. You can find in 15th and 16th century uh, Italy, for example, you can find orphanages that are set up on, you know, as charities. And what do they do? Well, they put the kids in factories to, to sew silk. This isn't to be cruel to them. It's meant to be nice. By putting them in factories, you're giving them order and discipline. You're letting them make money, which is good. Like, God, finding a way for a kid to make money is hard. And importantly, you're teaching them an, a, a skill that can make them uh, make more money later. But... In the 19th century, factories were a solution to this problem of childhood unemployment. Kids in, in, in rural areas still had a lot of trouble finding work, and this was often a problem for rural families that were trying to, to, to get by. But kids in cities were able now to go off and work in the underskilled labor of the factories. And as a plus, a lot of the factory labor was actually better suited for children because they had tiny hands that could reach into the machines and do stuff. And look, we do have this idea that child labor was awful, and I bet it was awful. I, well, I wouldn't want to do it. But a lot of the firsthand accounts that we have from children at the time suggest that there is a, at least some pride associated with going off to work. When a kid was able to go off to work to a factory, the material lives of his or her family actually got better. They were able to buy stuff for their wages. They were able to buy food, bacon, meat. They were able to sit down and say, look, I got our family this extra food. And that gave them a sense of pride. And there was in some ways that the factory was a community that people would want to be a part of. So it wasn't all bad. It wasn't a completely gray and dreary uh, 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 hecticomb of, of, of sorrow. Now, to understand how child labor child employment became a problem after so many generations of people had been worrying about child unemployment, we have to think a little bit about the changing cultural concept of childhood. So before the Industrial Revolution, uh, kids were thought of as sinful. You're born with sin, and it's the work of society and the religion to educate you about your sinful nature so that you can reform. Here's a quote from the 1520s, quote, just as a cat craves mice, a fox chicken, and a wolf cub sheep, so infant humans are inclined in their hearts to adultery, fornication, impure desires, lewdness, idol worship, belief in magic, hostility, quarreling, passion, anger, strife, dissension, factiousness, hatred, murder, drunkenness, gluttony, and more. Just think of how big a difference that is from our idea of childhood. To think that in the heart of a child, of an infant, 
there is an inclination towards adultery, fornication, lewdness. This is not Freud talking about some sort of hidden sublimated desire. No, this is what being a human without religion is. Passion, anger, strife, dissension, factiousness, hatred, murder, drunkenness, drunkenness. My three-year-old wants to get drunk. That is the idea of the pre-modern child generally. Now, there were people, there's there's variations. Lots of people doted on their children, loved them, didn't beat them, didn't, you know, spared the rod, spoiled the child. There's lots of variation, but this is a dominant idea. After the Industrial Revolution, there is a different idea. There's an idea of a child at home, innocent, someone that needs to be protected from the corrupting influence of the adult world. You can just almost flip uh, that uh, description from the 1520s on its head. Children don't have sex. They don't have impure thoughts. They are uh, uh, naturally moral. They uh, uh, are, are naturally amiable. They don't fight. They, they, they're, they're just little angels sleeping in their cribs. And they need to be protected from the outside world. They need to be kept at home and nurtured. And that innocent moment of special purity extended for as long as possible. So what changed? These competing ideas of what a child is changed the way that labor was done, child labor was done. Um, For most of the 19th century, working during childhood was common um, for poor people. Rich people, of course, would uh, engage in schooling and maybe not go to work uh, so much. Um, Increasingly, there was developed what's called a half-time system. Uh, people would work half the day and then go to school half the day. Uh, schooling in England was mostly private, uh, uh, although it was quite widespread. Um, but education started to step in as the solution. What to do with a child if you are not meant to send them to work, but you still need to keep them busy and you want to do something to reform them, to make them good people. Uh, There's a series of uh, uh, legal acts in Britain that is sometimes uh, used as the spine of this story. In 1870, there was a Schools Act. In 1880, uh, attendance was made compulsory. Uh, In 1891, there was an abolition of fees for schools. Um, And these these schools trained not only reading and writing, but they... you know, trained bigger things like patriotism, morality. Um, but the child was brought into this 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 new realm that was beyond commerce. Whereas the adult lived in a productive world where they went to work. The child was meant to live in a non-productive world. They did lessons. They played games. They uh, used toys instead of real tools. Part of this has developed a a special set of things 
that are meant to be the purview of, of school children, particularly school games. In um, the 1860s, a bunch of school teachers at upper class schools decided to regulate the play of kids, to give them rules, to make sure there weren't fights. And from this, from this project, we get a number of the sports that today uh, we have today. Um, the big thing was was rugby, uh, which is named after the rugby school at which these the rules for rugby were first written down. Um, but a bigger change was that the child became the focus of the family. Um, children were no longer just little people uh, who were meant to, to do work like adults. They were something special. They were something that the family was centered around. Um, family holidays started to be a thing. Instead of having a, a holiday like a Wakes Week or a, or a Saints Day that, you know, was an adult celebration, holidays like Christmas and Easter became something for the household to do on its own, to turn inward, to focus on the children. You know, anyway, what I think that this uh, discussion of childhood uh, shows us is something deeper about uh, uh, the art of, of, of history. Um, it shows us the complicated interaction between a biological thing um, being an infant, being not sexually mature, still having growing up to do, and a cultural thing called childhood. And these two things interact, and in some ways, uh, uh, one sets the bounds of the other. Um, our idea of childhood is influenced by the fact that we are smaller for a, a great period of our lives, that we're not able to enjoy many of the things that, 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 uh, adults are able to, that we don't have the same desires, that we have different temperaments. But then what that period actually is, what it means, what it's right for a child to do, that can change, and it can change quite drastically. Now we think of what a child is, and a child should not work. They should not have sex. They should not smoke. They should not drink. They should not be independent. But all of those things changed, and they changed over time. Not to say that just because these 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 things are are historicized that our conception of childhood is somehow wrong. No, that's not that's not the message at all. But instead, we need to consider that 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 culture, what 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 we make of this you know, biological clay of which we're made can often change really drastically. We can never get outside of culture. We can never have a, a, a working world in which we're interacting without, you know, these cultural concepts that, that, that help us understand what a child is. But what those cultural concepts mean can change. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Making a Historian. If you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, share us on social media. Tell your in-laws. Thank you to Duncan Barton for the images and Jonathan Lear for the music. Thank you to my wife for raising my kid. And thank you to my kid for being cute. Uh, thank you all uh, who listen for listening. Um, thank you to my students for being really uh, enthusiastic about what I thought might be a boring class for, for Zoomers. Um, and thank you if you're impacted by the coronavirus and are listening to this hold up somewhere. Uh, we're going to be back uh, in a day or two when uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, a special part of work and play in the Industrial Revolution, the club. 
which is the topic of my dissertation research. So I'm either going to have a lot to say about it, or I'm not going to have anything to say about it at all. See you then.